0: Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. Our, our talk show is also part of our podcast. The Caregiving Podcast Network features podcasters who are also family caregivers sharing stories and insights about the caregiving experience. In just a few moments, I'm going to introduce you to three of our Caregiving Visionary Award winners. Just a quick update before we bring our Visionary Award winners on. I wanted to remind you that our Caregiving Summit started today. It's a virtual summit that introduces you to our panelists and presenters at our third annual National Caregiving Conference. Our conference takes place November 9th and 10th in Chicago. And if you want to come but you think, ah. not sure if I can swing it financially, you'll want to participate in our summit. Again, our summit starts today, May 14th, goes through May 24th. Each day we'll post a video that features our panelists and presenters. Comment after watching our videos, and you'll be entered into a chance to win a trip to Chicago. Our grand prize is Airfare to Chicago, two nights at our conference hotel, and then registration and meals. We also have eight runner-up packages that include two nights at our conference hotel and free registration and meals. Every time you post a comment during our summit, you're entered into a chance to win. So if you visit our summit every day for 10 days, you have 10 entries into our contest for a chance to win. And again, the grand prize is round-trip airfare to Chicago, two nights at our conference hotel, free registration and meals for our conference. And this year's conference is fantastic. The agenda is just awesome. So this would be the year to join us. You can find out more information by going to caregiving.com. You'll see posts that say Virtual Caregiving Summit Day 1, Day 2, Day 3. Just click on any of those you can find out more information about the conference by just hovering over NCC18 on the green menu bar on any page on caregiving.com. Okay, so let me bring on our Visionary Award winners. There were five. We've already recorded a podcast with Priya Soni. Three more are joining me today, and then our fifth will join us next week. So joining us this morning is Bev Foster, she's the founder and executive director of the Room 217 Foundation, a community health arts organization that uses music to change the caregiving experience. Compelled by her own caregiving journey, Bev and her team deliver music care products, programs, and educational services to health care providers, family, and volunteer caregivers across. Canada. So welcome, Bev. Thanks for joining us this morning.
1: Oh, well, thanks so much, Denise. Great to be with you.
0: So Bruce McIntyre serves as the Executive Director of the Parkinson Foundation of Oklahoma. As a 14-year caregiver to his wife, Kathy, and as the author of Thrive Anyway, Parkinson Positive, Graceful Transitions, and Resilient Life, Bruce shares his, ex- his expert guidance and warm humor with thousands of people each year So good morning Bruce, thanks for being with us today
2: Good morning, Thanks to be good to be with you, Denise
0: Sheila Warnock is the founder and, and president of Share the Caregiving Also known as Share the Care And co-author of Share the Care How to organize a group to care for someone who is seriously ill Good morning Sheila, thanks so much for joining us Oh good morning Denise, thank you I should also mention that our five Visionary Award winners will be honored at a special reception on the evening of November 9th, and that's gonna kick off our, our third annual National Caregiving Conference. So you'll be able to meet and connect with the Visionary Award winners at that reception. So one of the reasons that I wanted to start this award is because I think it's so important that family caregivers know people they may not know are working hard and diligently and passionately, to make the caregiving experience better, and I think visionary is the word that reflects that. I'm curious, though, how you guys would define visionary. So, Beth, let's start with you. What does that word mean to you?
1: Well, I, I mean, part of that is, uh, for sure, just seeing what's possible. Um, that maybe has not been part of your experience. So in terms of just, you know, the vision piece of seeing something um, else that could, could be possible. So you're thinking outside the box, perhaps. Um, visionary also, I think in this, in, in this case, and particularly in the context of your award, isn't just about sort of wishful thinking. It's about, visionary is also about something tangible with, with sort of boots on the ground, where yes, there's, you're, we're thinking outside the box, and we may have a, an, an idea or a new approach in terms of um, how to how to address something. But we've actually got some um, steps and some you know ways to actually actually mobilize that. So um, visionary for me is both you know it's probably using both sides of the brain. You're you know you're actually thinking outside the box and, and seeing the possibilities, but actually being able to. Uh, mobilize some real tools, some real actions to to make that work.
2: Bruce, how about for you? I, I guess what I'm thinking is it's, a, you know, I guess it's just all about being a catalyst and a champion for the possible. I, I like what you were saying there about the possibilities of things that don't yet exist. And I think when we keep asking the questions and we keep partnering with other people, um, you know, then collectively we, we catalyze new um, new possibilities to come into being and i think you know as i look back over 14 years of caregiving with my wife um gosh i've i've learned all kinds of things i've seen all kinds of things uh, emerging and developing so um you know it's it it's uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, visionary caregivers out there and uh, so i'm just mm-hmm. glad to be uh, named among some of these
0: yeah absolutely Sheila, how about for you? What does the word visionary mean? Well, uh, obviously for me it means someone
3: who sees something that's possible before everybody else. And I think, at least in my case, that it came out of experience that had nothing to do with caregiving. Starting with when I was in advertising, one of the areas that I was very involved with was new product development. So I was always looking at trends that were happening in the world, and I was always very interested in uh, people like Faith Popcorn who would predict trends that the society was moving towards. Um, I just found it fascinating. But what I think happened with Share the Care, it comes down to, excuse me, invention is the mother of necessity, and it grew out of a necessity to help a friend. But where visionary comes in for me is that when it was just a book and I decided to start an organization quite a number of years after the book was first published it was people said to me well it's just a book what are you going to do with that but i knew that it could be much more than that it was it was something that was going to be needed it was something that didn't exist earlier on um and so over time, I've developed a lot of things out of just the book, you know, the organization with a mission, a training, uh, all kinds of, you know, different tools that help caregivers beyond what we started off with.
0: So it's it's and being I, open. Yes. And I also think it's having an understanding of the experience and what problem needs to be solved. For many years I could see solutions coming into the marketplace which did not solve the family caregiver's problem. And it was because I think oftentimes people looked at the data around caregiving but not really had the experience, and so the data drove them to create something that didn't truly reflect the solution that the experience needs. Bev, I'm going to throw it back to you. Yeah, you know what?
1: That's a great point. Um, It's just the whole lived experience piece. Yes, and it's this idea
0: that I think oftentimes what family caregivers need is peace of mind. So, for instance, we see a lot of the apps that come out and it's the recreation of the same app, which is around care coordination, and that's important. I also think what we need is peace of mind and, and the solution that solves that or gives us that possibility is what we're looking for. And Bev, when I think about what you've created, that's one of the solutions for peace of mind. It's well, our way to it. connect with our curies.
1: I yeah. think that's it. Go I mean, ahead. music is music is one of those things that, um, uh, well, first of all, it can, it's, it's very personal and, um, you know our attachment to certain songs or or the memory of songs or the the melody of a song um, is is and it's very, very attached to, to meaning for people um and so getting the right music um for people in whatever experience or in whether they're the care giver or whether the one they're the one receiving care can um bring not only personal meaning but through that can bring reduced agitation, can bring all of these kinds of other outcomes, but at the core, as you're suggesting, there's this peace of mind. I mean, for me, what really drives uh, our work is is meaning-making and music and meaning-making and what what that can do in, in caregivers' experience because often particularly when you're a caregiver, things can go in circles or you just kind of, you know, you're just wondering why <laughs> a lot of the time and, and we're searching for some meaning. And certainly um, songs and, and music can, can help um, often be the words we're looking for. At the time when we can't find the words, uh, it, might, it might bring, um, you know, some sort of meaning, as, as I've suggested, into that, that very experience that very hands-on experience, that very daily thing, to create a new horizon of something that may be feeling very mundane. Absolutely.
0: And Bruce, when I think of you and peace of mind, it's about I can keep going. And in a situation that can feel out of the ordinary, you bring that sense of normalcy into it, especially because... You speak honestly about an experience that began when you were younger, your family was young, and it's not an experience that you expect to happen during that time in your life. So, Bruce, what gives you peace of mind?
2: So, yeah, peace of mind, I, well, that's a, that's a big question uh, and probably debatable how much I have. But um, on most days, on my better days, and I think on most people's better days, um, you still, you know, that old Stephen Covey thing, you still put the big rocks in first. So the little rocks fit later and you know, the big rocks are, um, they don't have to cost anything, but it's the little things that you do, uh, to have equilibrium. So, um, I think that that's, that's a rhythm for me and one I encourage people because the truth is we're we, as you mentioned a moment ago, we're all living through the good, bad and the ugly. And, you know, I I like to say we're going to thrive anyway. That doesn't mean everything is bluebirds on your shoulder. It just means, look, you're living through a tough situation, but on the same day, the same week, the same month, that the most heart-wrenching, difficult things happen. You also meet beautiful people. You have humorous encounters, and there are spiritual moments. And so I think acknowledging um, that we live in the tension of those um, helps me uh, to have a Mm -hmm. sense of peace.
0: Yeah. And Sheila, what I think is interesting about what Mm -hmm. you're doing and what you've created is that there's peace of mind for others who often sometimes witness a caregiving experience and want to help but feel like they're not quite sure how to. And I think yeah. it's hard when, <clears throat> care, when caregiving ends, and you have a friend, a family member who went through something, and you feel like, "Oh man, I didn't do a darned thing to help." It's hard to have that peace of mind. And so, what you do is bring that peace of mind to others, so that they can feel a part of the
1: experience.
3: Yes, we we make it possible for people to to come together in a safe place to meet to exchange you know, introductions, how they know the person they're going to help, and learn about each other as they move forward in their caregiving. Um, because Share the Care is all about no one should have to go it alone. It is, caregiving is the toughest job in the world, and having support and friends and family, and coworkers, and whomever helping you is a mind-blowing experience. It is such a powerful, wonderful, life-changing experience to share a journey with a person and their family, uh, where they're where they are healing from something, or maybe they're moving towards towards end of life, whatever that journey is, it's it's so profound and so beautiful that uh, it changes who we are. But being able to share it with others makes it easier, more poignant, um and just, just so much more powerful. I, I, I can't, you know, even put into words what it gives each of us when we get an opportunity to give our time, our talent, our love, an ear, just to listen to somebody. Because we feel so, so good at at having that opportunity. I think people run away when they learn somebody has an illness because they have no idea what to do. They have no idea what to say, and it's frightening to them. That's why bringing it out on the table and making um, making a group happen is healing in that respect because it helps people who have never done a thing to help another person. It gives them that opportunity to learn how to do so. And grow from it.
0: Yeah, I often think that family caregivers know how, and oftentimes we need to teach people, teach other people in our life how to as well. Yes, it's it's innate, and and it's different for everybody. You know, it's
3: not mm -hmm. like there's a cookie cutter way to be as a caregiver. Right, it's going to depend on the circumstance, the people, and the uh, those who are helping.
0: Each of you has been in this space for years, and you have then that perspective on what's different now versus what it was like when you first started. Bev, I'd love to start with you. What do you see now in our space of caregiving that you didn't see a few years ago? And what is it that you are particularly excited about as you think about the future?
1: Oh, That is such a great question. Um, because for us um, as innovators of music and care, not that music in care is, is necessarily exactly a new thing. It's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. Music is a means of healing and that sort of thing. But I guess the way we've developed the music care approach at the Room 217 Foundation uh, with our belief that everyone um, can use music in their, in their care practice, um, no matter who you are, um, What's what's lovely is that when we started this um, in in 2000 in the early 2000s mid 2000s we you know it, music was still con- considered very fluffy and very very complementary um, you know neuroscience the love affair between neuroscience and music in terms of the studies that have been done um, around how music can you know begin to regulate moods and um, certainly, you know, let's, let's even say improve gait in Parkinson's, or um, be able to sort of find the preserved self in folks with Alzheimer's. All these things, these were these these kinds of research pieces were being developed in the 1990s and in the 2000s. And now that research is is really become more mainstream and accepted. So for us, in over the last 12, 14 years, you know, it's moved from music sort of being this frilly topic. Um, of complementary therapy to becoming, in Canada, we're looking for non-pharmacological ways of care. We're looking for ways to actually be more human about our care and person-centered. And so for us, what an exciting time to have developed this approach. Um, And and we're kind of ready, we're shovel-ready for uh, um, uh, a a care system that, that is really looking for some alternative ways to care um, that are that are, as I say, going to just have more human human kinds of outcomes, more more um, relational relational care is big here in our country as well. Just looking for ways to, to um, kind of demedicalize uh, how care is, is delivered. So, I think we're poised and, and, and positioned, and certainly um, now some of the opportunities room two seventeen is receiving to be even become part of conversations. Uh, is, is quite encouraging. We're involved right now, we just got a, a large grant um, to scale a pilot study to be done in long-term care to um, actually use music, the music care approach to reduce isolation and loneliness for residents of long-term care. Um, and we, we just, in our pilot, we just saw such tremendous results. Um, not only did you know, not, not only was isolation and, and loneliness reduced, but so was depression score ratings, and so so were um, responsive behavior ratings. So you can sort of see the ripple effects of music, and and I think to answer your question really succinctly is just there's a readiness in our culture for the approach that we're offering.
0: Yeah, I I completely concur. First, what about for you? What trends do you see? What What are you excited about in terms of solutions that you see on the horizon?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I I agree with uh, like music, for instance. The the uh, uh, in the in the world of Parkinson's, we're seeing a ton. I mean, every year there's a new innovative um, therapy that seems to come out, and that's usually directed at patients. But uh, in Oklahoma, I mean, we have. Uh, In the last three years, we've gone from three Parkinson-specific exercise groups in the whole state to now 22, and a lot of those uh, caregivers are able to join in and be a part of. Uh, You know, dance is is one of those that started. So I see a lot of uh, innovation in therapy and a readiness or almost an expectation that, yeah, Mm. of course we would do that. That doesn't seem like a strange thing to do. Um, Another thing I've noticed in the past 14 years is just the general awareness of caregiving. Like, I go through our city now, and I see billboards, uh, you know, about caregivers, And whereas 14 years ago, I don't think that was the case. And, you know, when I was all those years ago running the Caregiver Fundamentals Project in Oklahoma City, I regularly met people. Um, who maybe were caring for a parent with Alzheimer's, for instance, and they would come in, which was incredibly common, but they would come in and say, explain their situation and say, have you ever heard of anything like that? And I would say, yeah, there's like millions of you, Uh, but they were unaware of that. I don't really feel like I get that intro anymore, that people come in and they kind of know a little bit more that there are other people like them. So I'm, I have a growing sense that that's the case.
0: I think that's an excellent point, Bruce. I think there is the movement because there is the awareness that it's not just one; it's millions. And I I, I feel like there is this groundswell of let's get together and make this experience better, not one at a time, but millions at a time.
1: You know, Denise, it again in in um, oh. in Canada. Um, and it may be so in the states as well, but there's the the actual terminology that the Alzheimer's Association of Canada uses. It's not caregiver anymore; it's care partner. So um, it's it's really a reflection of the whole circle of care. You know, the the family caregiver being one of those components, and it, it really shifts the hierarchy as well. Um, so that's another that's actually another thing that's happening here in our country that that we're you know we're um, really trying to, uh, you know, we, we see that as a trend where, where um, the whole care partnership idea is, is trending.
0: It's interesting. There was a conversation on Twitter about that term, and it was interesting to read what people wrote about it. In the, in the States, I always find language as it relates to a caregiving experience so fascinating. What's the language that we, we like to use? What's the language that reflects where we are what it's like So Sheila I'll ask you the same question What are the trends <clears throat> that you see What What's exciting for you In terms of okay. what's changing
3: Well when I first Started caregiving for my mom By myself back in 1984 There was nothing For caregivers Nothing <laughs> uh, Absolutely nothing um, In fact I don't even know that I Identified as a caregiver Which happens still today but uh, there was no place to go for help or support. Caregiving actually, a long time ago, even when this country was first pioneered, you know, coming together as a community to help each other was how you survived. And over time, as, as it moved on, um, you know, families started breaking up the children would move to the other part of the country, you know, divorce, retirement, all these things, um, broke up the family unit that used to care for people. You know, you'd have aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa all living together with a family. So what I see is that, you know, so Share the Care wasn't, Unique in the fact that it's a group of people coming together. It was how we came together that was unique because we had to create our own families of help. As time has gone on, and we're in the 21st century, now we have all this amazing technology which is really making profound impact on the world excuse me but in in many ways it has it has also taken us apart from each other you know you can't you can't look into somebody's eyes over an email or a text message and that's goes back to the fact that community is so important and being with people who are ill is so critical. So, in fact, I keep reading these articles about people are lonelier than ever, and this is in particular with younger people. And, again, it's because technology makes us feel connected but we aren't necessarily connected in the way that we're looking for as a caregiver but i think i think it's coming back i think people are beginning to realize this and um caregiving is a global issue and so everybody all over the world is grappling with the same issue in different ways, and that's what I think is really quite fascinating: how they how they teach a community in Japan about Alzheimer's versus how how it's taught here, um, or how also in other countries, you know, they they use co housing, you know, where you have uh, a building with lots of different generations living together because in that way they become community the whole concept and the importance of community is is really coming back i think because of the state of the world
0: yeah you know we need each other I just want to mention I had a wonderful mentor, Mirka Laberty, and she began an organization called Children of Aging Parents in 1977. She died in 2010. She's still someone that affects me. So I always feel like I need to give a shout-out for her. She was very instrumental in getting caregiving as a conversation, and she would go on a talk show with Sally Jesse Raphael, if you remember hers talk show. Mm-hmm. She, was a, she was a regular guest on her show. She was inspiring for me. She was a true visionary I felt like. I just want to close our show with an opportunity for each one of you to give your website address so for our listeners who'd like to be in touch with you, they can find you. So Bev, how can our listeners find you?
1: Oh, that, that's great because we've just got this brand new website so be happy for people to visit at www.room217.ca
2: Okay, great. And Bruce, for you, how can we get in touch with you? you yeah. can find me at brucemcintyre.com, dot com, dot com.
0: And Sheila, how can our our listeners be in touch with you? Okay, our website is uh, www.sharethecare.org,
3: dot share care dot org, and we have. Um, all the information on there if you want to call us or email us about anything.
0: Okay, great. Thank you guys so much for joining me this morning. Just a reminder, our Visionary Awards will be honored on the evening of November 9th at a special reception that kicks off our third annual National Caregiving Conference. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you found today's conversation inspiring. And in some way comforting to know that there are people that are really working to make the experience better. I'm Denise Brown. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.